Desperately seeking entertainment there has ever been, um, and I, I, I am not uh, exaggerating. I, I, I'll tell you why in just a second. Uh, but I am Chris Peterson. I am one of your primary hosts for this podcast. Joining me as always is Mr. Ben Frawley. How are you, sir? What's going on, Chris? What's going on, people around the internet? Ben, we are joined by not one but two guest co-hosts this week. I mean, we are just we are a CNN panel right now talking about. <laughs> different things uh with us as a return engagement miss lynette williams how are you i am grand how are you guys doing well doing well and again i mean we're just bringing in the whole gang today it's like the avengers assembling mr robert larson how are you well good evening good evening uh before we get into this is this my third time here and chris i think we should tell ben that um the reason i'm here (laughs) What? Um, Chris has asked me to take over for you. It's true. It's true. He said he's getting complaints on on the Instagrams. And uh, sorry, Ben. This is discrimination against anyone that's over five foot eight. <laughs> this is now a short man's podcast. Deal with it. Uh, short people's respect. Short people's I was gonna say uh, I identify as female. Thank you for that. Oh, short female. It. That's true. I do identify as a short. Female. Ben, Ben, you are truly outnumbered this yeah. week think, with, with people of color. Uh, it is That's three to right. one. Uh, oh, I love it. <laughs> as it should be. It's, it's, it's reverse racism. <laughs> ben is the minority. I'll cheers to that. Oh did my you guys hear that? Well, you, uh, speaking of, did you guys see that one uh, stand up? It was uh, Daniel Tosh, and he said he could uh, he could cure uh, racism in all police, and he's like. <laughs> You, but no one wants to listen to me. You just hire all black policemen. <laughs> and he goes, if you disagree with that, you're racist. <laughs> yeah, what are you going to say to that? I disagree. <laughs> Very true. Very true. Well, this is truly a, an awesome episode. Lynette, this is your third time on the show. I know. I feel like I want a jacket like the um, SNL crews. Like We're we, getting there. We're getting there. That's true. Yeah. Chevy Chase. We're going to get to those five-timers clubs uh, soon enough. But um, no, really happy to have both you on. I mean, this is going to be a great podcast because you guys have definitely breathed some really great life into the episodes that you've been on. So cannot wait to see what you've brought to the table uh, for this week. Now, folks, you know, we usually do five stories each when it's just, you know, Ben and I or somebody else. But now that we have four people on this show, uh, not that I don't want this to be a three-hour podcast, but, you know, it's, you know, it's like we got to control the number, uh, the time somewhat. Um, we're bringing, each bringing two stories this week of, of note. And then, of course, we're going to go YouTube and um, at the end. So let's just kick it off. Let's, let's not even, you know, bother with the pleasantries and all that stuff. Bobby. Start us off, oh. man. What is your number one pick Whoa. this week? All right. Well, I am switching it up a little bit this week. I'm going to flip the script. And, uh, you know, like Missy Elliott sled, put it down, flip it, reverse it. Your flip went yet? It. <laughs> so I didn't necessarily pick a entertainment topic. Ooh. But I did pick something that was uh, near and dear to me. 
And feel free to jump in, um, express your opinions at any time. But I brought a list of conspiracies. I love a good conspiracy. So I scoured the internets and I found some newer ones, some older ones. But I love all of them. And I have, uh, geez, I have two pages here. So I'm just going to go down the list. All right. The first one, Michael Jordan. It says Michael Jordan's first retirement was actually a suspension by the NBA because of his gambling. I thought that was pretty interesting. Whoa. I have never heard that, but it totally makes sense. Yeah. I've heard that before, yeah. Ooh. Ooh. Okay. What do you think about that, Chris? Well, I mean, yeah, it was <laughs> – he had some I, – I'd have to go back and look at the exact lengths, but he did have some um, – inconspicuous uh lengths of injuries uh throughout you know some of his career like he'd be he'd missed like you know 10 games here or 10 games there and you know without really um diving into the uh you know details of his injuries so yeah a lot of and and he is a notorious gambler i mean oh yeah um there is a an espn documentary that's coming out i think in february which is like documents the entire bulls dynasty it's like a 10-part documentary Kind of like a like a hard knocks, but for the Chicago Bulls of that era, which I cannot wait for. But apparently, they talk about that in the documentary. They show like the poker games. They show on the plane the card games that he would play and how he hated to lose, even at cards on the plane. So yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all. You know, there's there's a couple stories of him and Charles Barkley betting a million (laughs) dollars if like the next car coming over the hill is like white or something Mm -hmm. like that. It's crazy. But just like uh, Norm Macdonald said. Yeah, <laughs> just like Norm McDonald said at the SPs, uh, Norm, uh, Michael Jordan's retiring this year. All his fans are retired, uh, are, are upset. You know who else is upset? Golf hustlers. <laughs> so that's I totally couldn't, incredible. I couldn't even imagine the money he dropped out there. Uh, I heard he would make like $10,000 a shot during his games. How could you not want to gamble when you just have funny money like that? Yeah. All right, what's another one? All right. This is a good one. Uh, the real reason Apple removed the headphone jack was to try to remove Square Pay systems as a competitor for Apple Pay. I thought that was I pretty could, smart. I yeah, could I, see that. I could see that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Snapchat worked with the FBI to pull, popularize and secretly test and improve face recognition technology. We went from, wow, this is like magic to this is totally normal in a few years, and there's no way that the technology isn't being used by law enforcement. Well, yeah. duh. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Like, I, I recently um, re, uh, re-bought the, uh, the Dark Knight, the, um, the Heath Ledger Batman, and, you know, at the end of the movie, they, they tap into all, like, the cameras at the end of the movie, and, like, they face recognition, the whole Gotham to find Joker. And at the time, you were like, yeah, right, but now it's... <laughs> They can totally do that. <laughs> it's like every time you, you mention something, there's an ad for it on Facebook. Yeah. Well, that's the reason why I don't watch Person of Interest is because I was like, yeah, this is this is what this is real. <laughs> like, well, kind of the fact that they use face recognition to find people, the whole backstory, whatever is not. But yeah, no. Yeah, that's a legit conspiracy. <laughs> I believe it's real. Uh, it says, uh. One of my favorites is that the government was behind the Throwback Thursday in order to get us to digitize and upload pictures that they would not have access to in order to improve age progression and facial recognition. <laughs> that's that a is, bit far-fetched. Now, that's a deep one. That is a real conspiracy. 
Do you think? Do you guys think that uh, someone like Mark Zuckerberg on Facebook, because that's where Throwback Thursdays was from, uh, do you do you think that he would work with the government? Yes. Oh, absolutely. Why? Because he's a dork like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, are you going to tell the government no if they they come to your? I mean, it's not that they're going to come and just ask you. Well, Julian Assange would. Hmm. I don't know. It's it's very crazy out there. Yeah, like there's a lot of like truth coming out in as far as social media and digital media now. Um, uh, who did uh, Joe Rogan just have on? Not Assange, but um, oh, I don't know the other uh, whistleblower kind of guy of the NSA. Uh, Snowden. Snowden. Yeah, and that interview was really. He's kind of a weird kind of guy, and it was a hard interview because he's kind of a idiot savant kind of guy and just kind of rambles on. But he. What he said was totally plausible, just wild. Anyway, go ahead. Here's I, I like this one. Uh, weather forecasters buy stock in supermarket chains and then over-exaggerate winter storms. <laughs> so that we make sure that we buy our bread and milk. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I would do that. They cause that meme. <laughs> Good stuff, though. Uh, wow, oh, I, I got... Hold on, hold on. Hold on. Oh, 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 you got more? Okay. <laughs> oh, I love these. I got... So many of these. What are you guys doing tonight? <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'll end on this one. All right, all right. The government spreads true conspiracies to make them sound ridiculous and unbe- unbelievable so that people don't suspect those conspiracies are true. I believe that. Are there any conspiracies that you guys have heard? That we believe in or what? Yeah. Well, not necessarily. I mean, out of ten conspiracies, you may believe like two, or unless you wear tinfoil hats, you may believe in all of them. I totally believe in Bigfoot and ghosts. <laughs> I don't think he was joking. That's not a joke. I was more laughing at the way he was saying it, but yeah, I would kind of concur. Yeah, see, I I totally believe in Bigfoot? it. I mean, yeah, Bigfoot, dude. I'm six foot three. I'm a hairy. Mammal. You are Bigfoot. You're Oneida Bigfoot. Literally, I'm I'm so like two inches away from being Bigfoot, so I totally believe in Bigfoot. I don't believe that there's a group called the Illuminati out there, but I do believe that there are amongst the upper 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 class um, wealthiest Americans, there is some sort of like uh, the Rockefellers. Yeah, like some sort of like, yeah, like a Facebook group or something. I don't know. Like, there's something <laughs> shared among these people in terms of communication that we're not privy to about how they're going to use their wealth in certain ways. There's I, I no. Guess. There was Chris, a whole documentary on it. It's called yeah. the Koch Brothers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the Koch Brothers. The Koch, Koch Brothers. brothers. Yeah. Whatever. But um, Chris, you don't believe you've seen those videos where it's like eyes wide shut groups and they're like the mm. Illuminati like burning things in the desert and it's like really weird. Oh no, well I, I, I totally believe in the eyes wide shut group because I've been to those, you know, events, but you know, Oh really? <laughs> what, what? I didn't know you could talk about those. No. Um, I'm a Freemason. Let me see your right. No, those are, those are actually, you know, it's funny being in New York City, like it's widely known that those parties actually do happen. Uh, it's not, it's like a, it's the worst kept secret in New York. <laughs> like, what hey, do you want to go to an eyes wide shut like sex party? Yeah, there's one every night. sign for it. It says Freemasons. <laughs> I guess you. They, not. I wanted to go there. They happen. I just often, assume though. it was freeing Charlie Mason. Or dang it, I ruined my own joke. Uh, <laughs> rewind, rewind. <laughs> Charlie Mason. I liked it anyways. <laughs> Thank I you. It. I appreciate. I that. love it. Oh my gosh. Well, Charlie Mason. 
Bobby, good, good, good first pick there. I like it. Lynette, Lynette, what is your first pick this week? My first pick is going to be for the public and the public access world. Friday, November 22nd, will be the broadcast premiere of Much Ado About Nothing. Yeah, Much Ado About Nothing by William Shakespeare from the public uh, theater this summer where it's an all black cast. And I'm super excited because I've already seen it on PBS Passport. Wow, that's crazy. And uh, where are they, are they broadcasting that somewhere? Where, where, where's that being held? It's on PBS. So it was it was done all summer long. It was one of their free, free summer shows. So if you were awesome enough to get to the city in Central Park and see it, great. If you weren't like me, uh, you are able to watch it on PBS this Friday night, uh, the 22nd. I believe it's at 8 p.m. Um, or you can, I think they keep it open on the app for a week after. Um, and it's phenomenal. It's got an amazing, it's set in the not too distant future of 2020 in Georgia. Um, and it's got this awesome, like just new kind of beat and rhythm to it for Shakespeare, you know, kind of like, kind of like what Hamilton did for Alexander Hamilton. Like it kind of feels like an urban Shakespeare and it feels awesome. And it's funny though. I still disagree with the whole thou must be, you know, a maiden with your maiden head to get married thing. But (laughs) Let me let me ask what um I don't come from the same circle as you guys, so you gotta mm. break down what this play is so about. Shakespeare. Yeah, what is Mr. Shakespeare? So <laughs> Mr. Shakespeare is a fictional character. No, I'm joking. Uh, Maybe. Possibly. Oh speaking of speaking of conspiracy. Right. Yeah, then yeah. they say Shakespeare was not real. Yeah. That's true. They believe he could be a composite of multiple different writers or circle. that he did that he was the writer but then he stole things from other people um there's many different things about shakespeare conspiracies around him however this play is one of shakespeare's comedies so it's automatically funny um and it's the story of uh Basically, army dudes come home from war. Uh, They're put up by um, a friend. And while they're there, they decide that uh, one couple is young and in love. They want to get married. And they realize that these two two characters really are kind of at each other's throats in a mocking kind of way. And they decide that they're going to actually bring them together and get them to fall in love with each other. Um, and so all these crazy things happen. And then um, another guy decides he's going to cause some mischief in this and just misunderstanding on misunderstanding. And yet somehow it all works out in the end. Yay. <laughs> all right, I'm going to give you a- they, they've made a like a up to date movie kind of based on that. There's actually been a couple. Yeah. Um, there's the the Kenneth Branagh one, which is uh, probably oh, the most famous one. Uh, one with. Denzel Washington and actually Keanu Reeves is kind yes. of the, the bad guy in it. And he does a great job in that, in that movie, by the way, a lot of people, you know, want to down, be down on my man Keanu, but he's actually pretty good. Um, and then there was recently, was it, I don't know if it was directed by Joss Whedon, but um, it was, oh, a, yeah. it was it, the it was black like, and white one, right? The black and white one. That was, yeah, it was so actually, um, it was actually set in present day. 
um, with um, a couple you know, people in his his repertoire. I think not Allison Hannigan, but her husband's in it. Um, I can't remember his name. He was he was on How I Met Your Mother, but a bunch of people are in that one too. But um, Lena, I've got I've got a hot take for you. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I got a hot take too. Go ahead, Chris. Uh, I saw that Central Park production last summer um, in person. I was lucky enough to get to to be able to go, and uh, I didn't like it. I wasn't high on it, and I I found it to be um, what's the word? Repulsive? <laughs> no. Wow. Wait. That'd be that'd be that'd be way too hot. That's like that's oh, okay. like. Oh, all right. that's oh, it's like, a mild take then. Um, just okay. What are you talking about? I thought it. I thought it to be. I found it to be pretentious. There you go. That's the word. Pretentious. Wow. I love people um, using that word. You know, just because I I didn't like I didn't like the way that they kind of. I guess you could say forced the kind of the politics of present day society down our throats again. Uh, this has become kind of a running theme at the public theater with Shakespeare in the summer. And it's just like, I would have liked to, I would have liked to break, I guess. It's kind of like the movie crash, but not the good movie crash, not the Cronenberg. Oh jeez! Oh jeez. Cronenberg. Let me know there's another one. You're bringing, you're bringing both crash movies into this, which I've seen by the way. Yeah, um, of course. Good Lord, James Spader. Uh, so anyway. Um, oh, okay. Oh, all right. All right. Yeah. Good Lord. But yes. Uh, no. So I just, I, I mean, this has become like kind of a running theme with the, the public theater with, with Oscar uh, Eustace, who's the artistic director there. He just kind of inserts these political messaging. And it's just one of those things where it's like with when they did Julius Caesar two summers ago um, and where it was a blatant like Donald Trump kind of you know imagery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fine. That. Yeah. That's that's fine. I think it were it worked really well. But in here, you know, you got the Stacey Abrams thing in the back. You know, it takes place in kind of um, suburban Atlanta, and it's just yeah, just for me, it just didn't work, and I just oh, felt see. like I was being fed messages the entire time. But go ahead. See, I didn't think I thought that they did a good job of not beating yourself over the head with it. I felt that the messages were. I mean, yeah, I probably would have liked the Stacey Abrams thing to come down part way or something. Um, but I think the way that they handled it, both in the beginning and the end, it didn't feel like it was over overwhelming. Um, right, right. I felt like it was a good introduction to what's going on politically in this area and like how this play can still interact, especially amongst an African-American community. Um, because I think that's I think that was like more of the key for me is that. Um, unfortunately for most African, I shouldn't say most, cause I'm not going to speak for all of the African American community. Why not? Um, Go for it. No, <laughs> no. As the lightest one of them all. No. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I just think it's, um, I just definitely think that that's something that's, that's, um, it's just part of all of our thought all the time. It's, there's not, there's not a separation for a lot of us anymore. There's there's not that ability to escape necessarily unless it is a true honest to god sci-fi situation. So if you're setting something in a relatively um like a relatively uh, what's the word I'm looking for? current um timeline, it's got to be there. There's no there's no way around it. Well, you know, Lynette, it actually reminds me of the um, the roundtable that you went to at Comic-Con, the Black Nerd Roundtable. Mm. Uh, like making um, 
content accessible to different cultures. Right. right? That's that's kind of the gist of that roundtable. That was really interesting. Um, but Chris, you know, something that I, you know, speaking of like an all black cast for uh, much to do about nothing, Chris, there was something we didn't talk about last week. Um, didn't you get like, didn't you go on blast on uh, Facebook? Did someone uh, not like you commenting about a production that was yellow faced or something like that? <laughs> yeah. Didn't that happen? <laughs> talk about that. What what happened? We didn't talk about that last week. Yeah. So, um, so there's an opera company in Knoxville, Tennessee. It's a professional opera opera company called Knoxville Opera, and they were doing a, a, a opera called um, Madame Butterfly, which is, you know, it's a it's a Puccini uh, opera. It's very it's it's performed wild you know, widely, um, and the problem with with opera because of the lack of of diversity, um, operas like these as well as uh, the Mikado and uh, Othello are typically whitewashed uh, or um, Actors are made up to look Asian or, or in, in many cases, black, especially with productions of Othello. And um, because of the widespread awareness of yellow face and black face and things like that, um, anytime this really happens, especially when it comes to professional companies, there te- seems to be an uproar. And this is what happened with, with Knoxville Opera. And so I was one of the first people to kind of come out and you know write an article that really kind of caught fire last week or the week before. And... Um, Interestingly enough, you know, every every time I write these articles, no matter how blatantly like, you know, um, one-sided argument I present, so to speak, there's always that, you know, a couple people or that small minority of people that just, you know, they don't have a problem with it, you know, so to speak. <clears throat> so, you know, it never surprises me. Um, I typically get comments saying like, no, it's it's acting. We're, you know, as actors, we're chameleons. We should be able to inhabit whatever roles that we want and that's part of acting and blah. And I, I find that to be a very um, old school, you know, way of looking at the, the, the role of an actor. And it's not, that's not the role of an actor in the 21st century. So um, yeah, it's always interesting, but you know, the, the big thing I always get is, you know, anytime I'm getting into an argument with someone about this, I always, this, I use the same line of questioning. I say, is blackface wrong? And, and unequivocally, Every time someone says, absolutely, yeah, no, no, it's terrible, then then why is yellow face okay? Or why is brown face when it comes to Latino and Hispanic uh, populations okay? And that's when people are like, uh, <laughs> it's like, that's the, yeah, I, sometimes I don't normally, I can't get the retort uh, from that because they, they don't have an answer because, you know, it's, 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 you know, who knows? But, um, but yeah, so it's, it was one of those things where you, you get a, a, a lot of different emails. I got some strange emails that I, I just couldn't make sense of uh, from like what they're writing. Like um, I got called a millennial, which is. Yeah, that was I, the one. Yeah, that was I, the one I saw. Ben's favorite I think, word. It, I think it's factually correct. I think, I no, think. No, we're I, generation Y, dude. Are we, gen- am no, I generation what, Y? Wait a minute, wait a minute. What what year were you born? I was born in 81. I so I, 80. I just I was, found an article that we're actually called Zennials. Oh, geez. So we what are. That means that we are the in between 1977 to 1983. We're actually in between Generation X and Millennials, which is why we're called Zennials, because we were young enough to grow up without technology. But we were when we were young adults is when technology happened. So we were able to adapt to the technology. So this is like a mini subset of the generation. And Generation Y is not really a thing anymore. Oh, they changed it. Yeah. 
So we are Xennials. I got to change my way of thinking because I always question anything because I'm Generation Y. So <laughs> there you go, there you go. So, um, well, now, yeah, no, go ahead. I was going to say, can I ask a question just as a as point of reference? Please. Um, now, how many how many Asian opera singers are there? Well, see, that's the thing is that you know there's there's a very I would say um, small number of of known professional opera singers. I don't, you know, I don't know their names off the top of the head, but anytime these issues usually come up, the same names are thrown out there. Like, you know, why not cast this person, that person, things like that. But the problem is, is that because this, this industry, the opera industry is so overly white. I mean, it mm. really is overly, I mean, you know, I think I read an article a couple years ago where the opera singers union is like, I think it was like 87% Caucasian. It's something, something along those lines. So yeah, that was the thing. Yeah, so sounds like you know, just made that up. <laughs> I know it sounds it's actually a thing. Um, the Crossing Guards Union. There you go. <laughs> I love it. Um, but yeah, so the problem is, is that there just there aren't a lot of performers of color in this in this field, and, and you know because of that, the the ripple effect of you know more coming into the industry is just really not there so if you're a performer of color and a classical singer chances are you're probably going more of the theater route than you are the opera route nowadays so um yeah no it's it's just yeah you just don't really see a lot of performers of color uh, in that industry and and sadly this is also an industry that is very slow to cast inclusively so you're not seeing a lot of performers of color and you know you know, Romeo and Juliet's or the, the last flutes or things like that of these, these traditionally very white operas. Sure. Are operas still going strong or are they dying they, out? Um, I, I think at a, at a professional level, they're still, they're still going strong. I mean, the, the Met is still fine. I mean, a lot of the big professional companies aren't going anywhere anytime soon, but I think with these smaller regional companies like, you know, Knoxville opera, for instance, um, you're starting to see a lot of them fade out. And the reason being is also there are less colleges, you know, in the country that, that, actually educate opera singers there's not a lot right. of actual opera programs right. anymore i can only really think of a handful off the top of my head so that's another problem that i think needs to be addressed too when's the last time any of you have been to an opera i mean i haven't been to an opera but i love to watch them i i will pay the 15 dollars to watch the mets broadcast on uh the big screen i do do those the phantom events i think the last time i watched anything opera related is when Jerry Seinfeld put a Pez dispenser on Elaine's leg, <laughs> and she laughed and ruined the show. <laughs> that, that is my only opera experience. That was a fantastic episode. I remember that distinctively. Oh you're talking. You're talking to the kid that used to sneak away from her family to go watch the Mikado on PBS, and then her family would like slam open the door and be like, "What are you doing?" Thinking they were catching me doing something really like dirty and rotten, and I was like, "I'm watching opera. I'm watching Pucci." I know they're just like stop touching uh, your <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna go blind on that. That's amazing. You're grounded. Oh my gosh. Good stuff, Lena. Good stuff. Ben, what is your first pick this week, All my right. friend? All right, let's get back into reality. Here we go. Um let's give guys, Chris and I talked a lot about Disney Plus last week. Uh, but Mandalorian episode two came out. And I want to address Baby Yoda. So, if you haven't seen, there is a Baby Yoda slash Baby... Spoiler alert! Yeah, spoiler alert. There's a Baby Yoda slash Baby 
species of Yoda in yeah, the show. What is Yoda species? I have been trying They've to figure this said. out all weekend. They've never said it's a species that lives 900 years. Uh, the Plus. one that the Mandalorian, uh, yeah, the Mandalorian uh, captures is 50 and acts like a baby but uses force powers. I just want to get your reaction of this. I mean, let's be real. I love Yoda so much that it's going to be a baby Yoda and I'm a woman. I can't believe I'm about to say this. I'm going to love it. It's just what I'm going to do. I'm going to think it's so cute. Did you watch The Mandalorian? I did. I did. I'm digging it. I'm digging everything about it so far. I love the fact that Nick Nolte was voicing uh, the old guy, like the I Have Spoken character. I was like, that's Nick Nolte. Oh, my God. Um, So that was great to see that. Um, Yeah, no, digging everything about it. The Baby Yoda thing, I mean... I, I'm di- I'm loving it so far. I feel like we've seen this kind of plot line before where it's like, you know, loner action figure stumbles upon child and needs to somehow guide it to safety, right. so to speak. But, um, I mean, it's a baby Yoda. So, like, so here, let me, here's my full, full review. So I really thought a lot about this, like why this show works. And we're only in episode two. They might break out a bunch of like rays and fins and I'd be like, what is this bullshit? Like really quick. <laughs> it back to the uh, Kira Kurosawa roots where it looks like a western your main character doesn't talk a lot he's kind of a loner it's almost like the no name trilogy you got Clint Eastwood there and he's got a you know it's a revenge plot or he's a bounty hunter or he's saving like a young kid or it's um, you know the Shogun assassin kind of thing where it's just a lot of cool backgrounds a lone kind of guy that you don't know a lot about is there but at the same time you have these kind of tinges. It's not so dark and grim where my five-year-old could watch it with me and we're both excited. And I think that's something we've gotten away from in the newer movies and the prequels was it was either too heady or it wasn't kid-centric or it was too kid-centric. It was mm. little kid stuff. And I was like, all right, I'm out. This is little kid stuff. And these two episodes, if anything, scratch that itch, that kind of timeless thing about the original trilogy where I'm sitting there, I'm like, this works for some reason. Han Solo was cool when I was five. He's still cool when I'm this old. And true. Um, I thought that you know George Lucas was onto something when he <clears throat> really pulled upon you know Kurosawa and uh, story archetypes from the past. And I think this is pulling upon that the loner you know archetype. He that's what the Mandalorian is. He's a loner. And I thought him. Um, you know, not talking, but we, we saw his actions really spoke volumes. But for another take, here's Bobby. <laughs> All right, here comes a hot take. It was so-so. Ben wow. might uh, slap me, but um, it, it is a great show. Um, Why? I like, well, is um, Nick Nolte, what was his character's name? I don't know, some dude. I, uh, Mr. I have spoken? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, uh, was he CGI, or you think he was puppet? Oh, I Animatronic? I think, he was, I, I think I it, was it was a combination of both. I thought it was a short person in a mask. Yeah, it looked pretty real. I thought it was Billy Barty, but... <laughs> Billy Barty. I thought it was Peter Barkin. <laughs> right. Uh, so I, I like the fact that they go puppeteering on that and the thing that he rides. I, I like how they went old school with that. Um... I think it's getting 
pretty hyped up because it's a you know it's a Mandalorian, it's a Boba Fett type character. He doesn't speak. It's it's pulling from you know the original movie where he's you don't know much about him, but he's a badass. And I think that popularity from the first movie is just coming along into this one. If he wasn't introduced back then, would people still like him as much in this show? If if no one ever heard of this character, would he be as popular? And I don't know if he would be. Hmm. Any any thoughts on that? He talks on what the movie? No, if, if nobody oh. ever heard of him, if this was the first that they heard of, the first of this, bou- if this was the first bounty hunter character, the first Mandalorian character, yeah, like a new you, Star Wars character, would you like the show as much? Oh, that's a great question. Because I don't think people would. I think people would say, "Oh, this is a pretty good show. I'll continue it." But since it's the bounty hunter, they go, "This is amazing," because people loved him, uh, you know, since the seventies and. And I, I think mean, it why do people be... like Dog the Bounty Hunter? I mean, same concept, right? <laughs> That's sweet, hunter. sweet mullet. <laughs> <laughs> if he had a son and his name was Pup the Bounty Hunter, I would watch the shit out of that. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I don't know if people would, would have the same reaction if this was a, so, new, a new character. So, Bobby, what you're saying is the only reason why I'm liking the show is because of nostalgia. You are a pretty nostalgic person. All your movies are pre-90s. So, yes. <laughs> I mean, this Friday we're going to see a pre-90s movie in the theater. Yeah. I mean, what you're movie? not out in Walmart buying the new Aladdin remake. You love old movies. <laughs> yeah, thank God I'm not. <laughs> Guy Ritchie and Will Smith. Ooh, we. <laughs> you're going to love them as kids. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Love I don't know. What do you guys think of the show? I, I We have two opposing takes. Lynette, did you watch the show? Have you... Why do, you, why do you ask me such questions? I don't know. I feel like I can't keep up with you guys. No, I have not watched the show yet. Oh. I was also right. re-watching literally every single Star Wars movie this weekend. That was my goal, and I completed that goal. You, you re-watched them because you didn't know them very well or oh, because no. you loved them so much? Because, well, the, the original three I loved so much, but I also was like... I wanted to see what Disney Plus was going to put out. Were they going to put out the edited, the new, the newer ones where they added the extra scenes, or were they going to put out the originals? Like, well, what did you think of McClunky? McClunky, what? What? Oh, I'm lost on that one too. Oh, so you know, in this new cut of A New Hope, this is going way deep, nerd. Um, oh boy! In the new cut, Greedo doesn't shoot first. Han and Greedo shoot at the same time, and Greedo says the word McClunky. Did you just make that up? No, no, for real. (laughs) Look at my phone or anything. I have that memorized. And I I have yet to understand why he says "lucky." He he said it pre-shot or after he got a hole in him. Right before, I think it's right before the shot, Chris. I I watched the shot. Yeah, and 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 no one can know why. Like, what's this word mean, or what's going on? Did did he did McClunky mean I'm gonna kill you? I don't know. Like, it's here's the thing about this moment in Star Wars. I mean, of all the moments that have to be edited and re edited and thought about, the who shot first Hans or Greedo thing is the dumbest thing in Star Wars. And the fact that, that George Lucas changed it in the original, like when he re released it to show, you know, Greedo shooting first and Han doing this really awkward tilt of the head. 
digitally, which just looks awful. Um, it just, it, it, I don't know, understand why that's such a big deal that they just couldn't leave it alone. And of course, Han shot first. He shoots him under the table. And who cares? It's part of his character. He's a, he's a rebel. He's an outlaw. Like, well, Chris, right. well, Chris, I'm just telling you right now. Uh, I already talked to my friend Dean. He's he. I already scheduled my McClunky tattoo for next week. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's going to be a lower back tattoo. Uh, right who, knows? <laughs> who knows? I mean, it's just it's just another one of these things where the, I, they just mess with the Star Wars universe for no reason, and I just I can't stand it. So, um. Yeah. I had a muffler fall off my Jeep once, and when it fell off, I, I swear I heard the sound, McClunkly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. It's a warning not to touch your Pacini. Go blind, Touch your Pacini. I love it. But anyway, I, All thought right. that the, um, I thought the the buzz around the show, I thought everything was great. Um, and this is another property that John Favreau, trying to salvage more, more importantly, and you know, taking a property and doing his own thing with it, I thought, I, I don't know. I, I think he, you know, just like when uh, Garrett Edwards uh, did Rogue One, he's able to play in the sand with great characters that you loved. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know. I hope we're on a right track with this show, at least. Still, uh, don't care about that movie coming out in December. I'm <laughs> wicked excited for this. So that's 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 my thoughts on it. Wait, Bobby, are you excited for the movie coming out in December? When it comes out, I will be sitting center row, center row at the local movie tavern. Um, and I, I might buy the seats next to me just so I don't have to sit next to somebody as I enjoy the shit out of this upcoming movie. So and I'm not I'm gonna, the only one. Okay. And I'm going to come here to Ben's and I'm going to, I might tie into a chair and I might just spoil everything as, as we watch the Rise of Skywalker commercial on TV here next to us. It's a sign. It. Ben, uh, I used to have respect for you until <laughs> you said, you know, I love Star Wars. Uh, I'm not going to watch this latest Star Wars movie. Um, I give a big F you to that, Ben. Well, you know what? I'm going to quote Admiral Akbar and Greedo <laughs> and it's say, a it's a <laughs> <laughs> You could suck my McClunkly, Ben. <laughs> I'm Man, seeing what? this movie first night. Man, we are just killing it with puns this week. I love it. <laughs> I love it. All right. So <laughs> for my first pick this week. Um, oh, yeah. We're still going. Sorry. We're still going. Here we go. Yes. I thought this so, was over. Um, I don't know if anybody who listens to the uh, the Bill Simmons podcast, but uh, this past week he had Matt Damon on. And yes. Uh, besides, you know, the usual talk of, you know, Rounders 2 and things like that. Um, one thing that I, I've thought was a really cool moment in the podcast was when they started talking about some of their past some of matt damon's past films and kind of went into some real depth about how movies like downsizing and oceans 12 um didn't work and you know talking about some of his his flops so to speak and what was kind of interesting was that you know damon really didn't mince words i mean he was like yeah that wasn't good or like you know um I, he talks about a story like how when downsizing came out and, you know, it was very clear that it was going to be a flop. He, he, you know, he remembers having, you know, sushi with the director, Alexander Payne and, and just commiserating about like, yeah, I guess this one didn't work. And it, it was, I found it to kind of be refreshing because you see a lot of these, these actors nowadays try to defend their work and say, well, you know, that's, you know, the audiences just didn't get that and blah, blah, blah. But no, it's like, 
yeah, just that was just a bad movie. <laughs> Things like that. So, um, yeah, I just wanted uh, some of your takes. You know, whoever wants to jump in on on you know, do you find that refreshing? And and do you wish more actors would you know kind of be that that candid about that kind of stuff? Let me let me jump in first because I want to say that I I watch uh, James Corden, and he has the sh- uh, little stick on there of uh, where they have to eat stuff or answer questions. Oh yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. Um, fill yeah. fill your guts or spill your guts. Yeah, That's what it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. And he had Holly. Well, he has a lot of people on there, and he always asks the actors, you know, which movie do you regret making the most? And most of them don't answer. Some of them do, but you know, it is nice to hear some of the actors go, mm, "Yeah, in the middle of this, I knew that it wasn't going to work, but you know, I have a house payment to make, so I kept going." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Lynette, what do you think about this? I think it's I think it's nice for them to share because it one it brings them back to reality and makes them human like you know they're not they make they make mistakes that's fine like and it's nice to be like yeah I knew it was a pile of shit <laughs> and like they're like yeah it was thanks like uh Comic-Con going back to Comic-Con Chris Eccleston was there and we were talking like he was talking about stuff and it was nice for him to be like yeah, so I did this thing. It wasn't that great. But he was like nice about it, but it still was who, like Who is this? I'm sorry. I don't know Chris, who this is. Oh, Christopher Eccleston. He played the ninth doctor from Doctor Who. Um he's I'm my sorry, doctor. I've never seen an episode. <gasps> he's your doctor? Really? He's your doctor. Wow. Don't he's listen to your, Bobby. That, sorry. Of all the doctors, he's your doctor? He's my doctor. Yeah. <clears throat> wow, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Was was that one thing that he was talking about, G.I. Joe? Uh, oh my god, I forgot about G.I. Joe. <laughs> Which one? No, it was actually Thor Dark Planet, right. but that's a different oh, okay. oh, Dark World? That's terrible. <clears throat> yeah, he played the... Oh, yeah, uh, did you... so Thor Dark Planet, he played the 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 Dark Elf. Oh, that right. was him? Yeah. Uh, was he the same bad guy? Oh, that was the same bad guy as G.I. Joe. Yeah. Oh, fuck that guy then. <laughs> I'm sorry. He's terrible. <laughs> I'm ter- I was surprised. I didn't like him in either one of those movies. <laughs> I was and surprised he didn't say uh, G.I. Joe. I was really surprised. I was like, wow, okay. Wow, he's done some bad movies. Uh, yeah. So what, what do you think causes movies to turn out bad? Is it uh, the oh, acting, a- the directing, the, the studio? Oh, it's a combination of all of it. I, I remember that Kevin Smith interview where he was talking about how he was on to write or direct the Superman movie. And the studio wanted a giant spider, and he kept saying no. And they finally left it, and then they made a movie, and it turned out to be Wild Wild West that had a giant mechanical spider. Yeah, same producer, right? Yeah. yeah so I think it. I think majority of it might be the the studio saying what they want. Well, it's it's hard it's hard to say that because you know my answer would probably be too many hands in the pot, but. You see these kind of Kevin Feige Marvel movies. I just rewatched the Avengers oh. movies, and they're epic. That man and, is a genius. I know, and mm. I think someone at the helm. I think Chris and I have talked about this. Like, you need someone at the helm. You can have multiple people in the pot, but you need kind of like a goalie that says, "No, that's not how Spider-Man works. No, that's yeah. not what Batman does. No, yeah. I don't think that work." But you can direct this thing. You can write this. But get let me proofread everything. Let me just get the final okay, and you're good to go. I think I you kind of the reason. Yeah. That's the reason why the DC movies don't work. Right. Right. Yeah. It's 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 kind of the same model, but there's not a person at the helm that's like totally into it and now these uh, I don't know you guys heard that story about like everyone's like on board with the Zack Snyder uh 
Justice League cut to be released or something. I, I don't really care uh, that much. That movie's terrible. <laughs> it looks totally different. I, I don't know if you watch any no. YouTube videos of it, but okay. there's a lot of the movie that looks totally different that makes it look like a decent movie. Mm. You know, despite starting the movie with CGI Spider or Super Superman with his terrible upper lip. That was a terrible way to start the movie. But I think I'm going to go on a limb and say that uh, Kevin Feige, yeah. uh, he may be better than Spielberg, Tarantino. He not only oversees movies, he oversees multiple movies and the company, and he makes the best uh, ongoing story of the last 10, 11 years. He is a genius, and I yeah. Did he just take over? He he took on like another role of of something. Oh yeah, they gave yeah. him another. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, congrats! And just the fact that we know his name is enough for me to keep watching the movie. Who makes the DC movies? Zack Snyder. No, 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 no. Who who is the like the studio head? Well, no, that's no. the problem. It's 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 been a revolving door, and yeah. you know they tried it by committee, and then they tried to give it to this one guy, and you know it just doesn't work, and. Yeah, I think from from a production, from a producing standpoint, I mean, from a, a um, organizational standpoint, yeah, no, I don't think I'd really have to think about it, but I don't think in the history of of big studio uh, systems that anyone has done has done it better than Kevin Feige uh, and super earned nerd. more trust, I think, than than Kevin Feige. So. Super nerd, you trust the super nerd. Well, you know what, and you, you trust a fat chef. <laughs> you know what's. The, the only person you can equate it to is Gene Roddenberry, how he was helm of the Star Trek universe uh, all the way up until TNG, and he passed away in the third season or fourth season. Um, and then that was kind of his... It, it's almost like if George Lucas passed away like before Jedi or something like that, but he passed away right as his world kept evolving. He was at the helm of it. You know, Everything Star Trek until that point went through him. And so that's the only person you can really equate it to where it's like you have this property, these kind of uh, uh, characters that came from this person, but he's kind of the goalie. I, I don't know. I, Bobby's right. I think we're – I hope we see more people like him, but I think he's the first person that we saw as a filmmaker because he's not like necessarily directing all these things. He's just kind of like overseeing all these things. Yeah, he's a producer. Executive producer. Right, exactly. That right, he's, right. he's the captain of the ship. He's captain. I want to be on that ship. I may have. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right, Lynette, what is your number two this week? Or Bobby, I'm sorry. I'm skipping around. Bobby, oh, what's your, Rebecca what's your number two, my friend? Yep. All right. I am going to go with, um, on this past Tuesday, uh, NCAA officials opened the door for student athletes to financially benefit from any use of their name, image, likeness, uh, marking a major shift in the rules governing collegiate sports. Yes. Yeah. Oh, all right. So are you guys a fan of this? No. I no? am. Ooh, great. We got both sides. All right. I want to hear from Chris first. Okay. All right. Here's my deal. Um, <laughs> with these athletes, um, with Division One A schools, um, Division one, two, and three. Division oh one, one, two, and three. Wow. Across the board. Wow, Across the board. Okay. But it's um, not going to start for a couple of years. Yeah. <clears throat> I I would say for any, 
with Division three, it's a little different because they don't they don't typically give out athletic scholarships for Division three. But with with these Division one and one AA and two um, sports, you know these students are already getting a full ride scholarship. They're not paying anything for um, their education, which you know is when you look at the the students out there that are, are struggling with uh, you know college loans and debt and things like that. I mean, they're getting a tremendous advantage. Yes, are they? And and they're they're playing sports. I mean, yes, that is a lot of work to be a student athlete. Um, I know plenty of them. Uh, I know the schedule, but you know they're they're going there for free, and they you know many of these athletes are given um, you know free room and board, meal plans, the whole nine yards. They are they are literally you know not having to spend much to to go to college and to so, go to school. Yes, to go to school now. And what about <clears throat> other things besides just going to class? What about food? Because one of the top drafts last year said that he used to eat ramen noodle. Because he couldn't afford dinner. Well, mm-hmm. but I would say why that that athlete has a meal plan like that's included in your scholarship package. So not all the time. Mm-hmm. That so that, if that I, here's the deal: if it's not, there are a couple things. Do I think college athletes should be paid? No, I don't think they should be paid. I don't think they they're owed a stipend. I don't think they should get um, merchandising sales or whatever it is from their school. You're getting a full ride scholarship. Now, do I think that they should be given? full meal plans so that they can ab- eat? Absolutely. Should they be allowed to get part-time jobs just like any other student? Like if they want to work at, you know, dining services or work as a tour guide or, you know, whatever, or a part-time job outside of school, if they can, you know, in the off season, things like that. Well, their job uh, is playing ball, bro. Yeah. And traveling across the country. And getting that education. Get, yeah, you're and getting an education and you're getting an education for free and your meals it's are like, paid for by the know, school. Chris, and- I don't know. That's kind of bunk, dude. Like, I was the world. I am the world's greatest actor, and I did it for <laughs> free when I was going to college. <laughs> Here's my thing: is that okay? Then you know what? If if the student athletes, uh, if these, if they want to get salaries and things like that, then you start you start raking back those scholarships. You put less players on scholarships right. and, and things like that. Fair. So that's fair. you know, I just I point. just think, and then and and believe me, because let's be honest, the the students that will benefit from this the most are football, basketball, like those big time college sports, you know, soft college softball and college, you know, lacrosse and, and track, track and field and cross country and things like that. You know, they're, they're not well, the ones having all these problems. <laughs> you know, they're not, they're not, <laughs> Fine, nobody goes to those. Um, like the, I mean, so it's, again, it's, I think, I do think the student athlete um, regimen in college should be completely overhauled. So I, like I said, I do think they should be able to get part-time jobs. I do think they should be able to, you know, um, get certain benefits on campus when it comes to meal plans and room and board and things like that to make sure that they're taken care of. But in terms of getting, like, for instance, you know, should they be getting licensing uh, copyright payments and things like that from whether it's a video game or just having their name appear on an advertisement for an upcoming game or something like that? No, no. So here's my thing. Yeah, go ahead, Lynette. Go ahead. I was going to say, so here's my thing, is I agree with you. I don't think they should be getting an outright, like, check. They shouldn't get paid to go, like, to play basketball. Like, if they're getting the scholarship, that's fine. But I do think that they should be able to get some type of reimbursement for the use of um, their likeness and such. Because if you think about how much money the colleges make off of those athletes, um, whether it's the people in the stands, whether it's the advertisements that come in for those college games, um, 
and again, I think you're right. It's not going to affect the people on the, unfortunately, the field hockey team or the lacrosse team. Um, but, you know, for those big ticket sports items, um, you know, the amount of stuff that they're getting off of these people, um, if they're not able to eat, then, yeah, they need they need that money to be able to reimburse. And if you're going to continue to have them have a training schedule, um, the game schedule, and then also the college the college class schedule, depending on what their major is, um, you, something's got to give. And if they're not able to get a job to be able to afford the things that they need, then we got to be able to use them. But let me and ask you this, because I think you're making an excellent point. I think that's an excellent point to make. I think where where I am is that there, there's a, I'm going to use a phrase that's been used a lot lately, quid pro quo, quid pro quo. <laughs> pro quo. Uh, um, easy for you to say. It's easy for me He's to say, right? Um, is I, I think it, what needs to be clearer in these scholarship agreements is making sure the athletes know everything they're getting into. So if I'm if I'm one of the top prospects for high school football and I choose the University of Alabama, where that is a farm system for the NFL, it is if I am as good as I possibly can be, chances of me going on to the NFL are, are pretty, pretty strong coming out of a program like Alabama. If in my agreement it says, look, you're going to be at Alabama for three years, but uh, and we're going to be able to use your likeness uh, for photographs and advertisements and you know possible video games and things like that. And um, you know you don't get paid a dime. However, you're getting a full ride scholarship to the best football program and training program to get to the next level of the country. I, I think that's an I think that's a fair agreement. I think that as long as students are made aware of that. Now, to your point, Lynette, I think I don't think I don't think athletes are are being treated like that. And I don't think colleges are approaching scholarships and these things like that. And I think they should, because I think that would make things a little more clear in terms of providing those benefits for students um, and, and, and the limitations in that and understanding like, you know, yeah, it, especially with college basketball, where it's, you're there for one year now. I mean, I can go, if I'm the top 10 basketball recruit, all I have to do is go to Duke for a year and then I can jump to the NBA um, in that situation, I, I think that those athletes should have less, you know, benefits, I guess you could say, than football players who have to be there for three years, so to speak. Yeah, I got a couple couple takes now that you brought that up. Will this kind of payment plan keep college basketball athletes in the system longer? If I'm getting paid by Nike to be a college player, maybe I'll be there. That actually mm-hmm. might be good because we've been complaining about one and done athletes for a long time. That's actually a good point. Um, but let me do the uh, devil's advocate on that point. Now, imagine this world. Imagine if I'm an okay athlete. Let's just say I'm like an all right. Let's say I'm a center, but I was I only grew up to six three. <laughs> By the time I sounds pretty true. <laughs> hey, so wait a so you're pretty much an Amira College athlete. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> that guy was pissed. I didn't play center. I was like, it's theater season. I can't play basketball this year. Um, <laughs> So he was so pissed. He saw me play in one year. Anyway, so every season's theater season, by the way. (laughs) So imagine this. I'm an okay athlete, but I know that I can get paid by a sponsor now if I do something scandalous or I make something viral on the internet or I make an ass of myself out of the court and it takes away from the game itself, but I'm getting paid more than the actual guy that's being 
like that's actually scoring more than me or that's actual better player than me. I could see the devil's advocate in both these things. And both these things are distracting from, you know, academics, what you're going to college for. Mm, no, I see what you're saying. Well, and I think, go, let, go ahead, let me, Rob. let me jump on that real quick because uh, last year, a kicker at UCF gave up his scholarship rather than stop making money off his profitable YouTube channel, which threatened to make him ineligible. But Notre Dame basketball star, I don't know how to pronounce his name, was allowed to participate in the popular te- television show Dancing with the Stars. So he went on TV and YouTube and turned down his scholarship because maybe he wasn't an um, all-star or going to the NBA or whatever it was. So he decided to make more money off uh, off YouTube. And I'm actually okay with that. And again, I think it goes back to that point of we need to we need to lessen the restrictions on student athletes being able to make money legally. And you know, I think when you when you put so much restrictions on it, that's where you see a lot of these shady booster payments and things like that because there are so many restrictions. But you know, if, for instance, with this YouTube channel or, or Twitch channels or um, other you know types of of social media things or you know if a student wanted to start a blog or something like that and made money off of it like sure why not like that that i think is 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 a hundred percent okay let me uh two small things one i guess the overall uh discrepancy is if you're an athlete say at syracuse here where the dome holds what like if it was sold out a hundred i think it's much more than that i think that's for basketball for football it might be close to like a hundred thousand if it was sold out so if in a Say the star quarterback for Syracuse football, who sells out a hundred thousand seats, and he doesn't see a dime of that. So there's people like LeBron James and others that are saying you have to pay uh, these 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 athletes. And with this new law coming in 2023, it's saying that 15 percent of what your your school makes has to be shared with your student athletes. And there are nearly 500,000 student athletes in America right now. And again, I think, I think the problem is, is that I, I think if you're playing basketball at Syracuse and you're you, like Carmelo Anthony, you know, I think the fact that you chose to come to Syracuse to play in front of those crowds, like, you know, it was, this is what the school has to offer you and they're making the choice to come play there. And therefore they're, they're that agreement. I don't think that that students should be paid off of that. And again, the problem that I'm going to have that you're going to see in the NCAA is that disparity because, you know, the, the hundred thousand students that are coming to the carrier dome, you know, as opposed to the 30 that are coming to, you know, a track and field meet or a bowling match or something like that is so you, you're going to see this bowling huge disparity. <laughs> yeah. I mean, college bowling, it's there. Um, you know, it's a thing. It's a thing. Going to I swear to God. But it comes. So here's, here's a issue that all three of you guys are kind of not getting to. And I don't know if you're purposely scooting around the issue because this is entertainment and not like a political blog, but it comes down to ownership of body and body rights. And as a woman, I totally see this. It's like you are somebody is profiting, profiting, profiting off of your body and what your body can do. And um, it's it comes to that weird kind of level of, well, why? And yes, I know you're getting the college education and I know that you're 
you're getting it for free, but there is a time limit uh, for athletes. And I can't believe I'm saying this because I do think that athletes are paid way too much in general. Oh, but, of course. More than, um, yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm a nurse and I get paid way right. less than they do. Way more than um, a, a drug and alcohol counselor. <laughs> that's right. Right. Um, and I'm probably, never mind. Shut up, Lynette. Uh, <laughs> um, but I think there is that that there there is a distinction now that and we're in a new environment where where that that there's this it's kind of like a mod I'm gonna say it and Chris is gonna gonna hate me I know it there's a modern day slavery to it. Oh man! I said it! I said it! I went there. Well, I, oh. I don't think there's a slave. I wouldn't go that far, but I, I see where you're coming from. Yeah. Um, but right, actually, Lynette. to your point. Lynette, is this your uh, was this your Rage Against the Machine song you were talking about a couple weeks ago? <laughs> you, yeah. Zach, you need to you need to text Zach De La Rocha and have him write this song. My body, yeah. my rights. It's a modern day slavery. I mean, I could I'll write the song right now, but I just can't scream like him. <laughs> Pro life is slavery all in college sports. Now I will I will be the first person to say, look, if if all the profits from the football, Syracuse football and basketball games is dispersed amongst all of Syracuse sports, women's sports included, then I'm okay with it. Uh, okay. if if the if the proceeds or profits from football only go to the football team and you know um you know, baseball only goes to the baseball team and they're not spread out amongst the teams. Because let's be honest, again, like what kind of crowd you know, sadly, what kind of crowds are women's sports in college drawing nowadays. Chris, I mean, Chris, I want to be mean. But... I got a great, I got a great uh, answer for this. Actually, go ahead. So, um, when you're working at a casino as a dealer, um, you get tips at your blackjack table, um, but uh, or your poker table. But when you rake the pot, um, that goes to the collective, and that goes to your paycheck at the end of the day. So it's not necessarily you're getting the $10 tip from this one guy. It goes in the box, and then it's reflected at your paycheck at the end of the week. So that might be it. Imagine if all of the profits from Syracuse football, basketball, uh, women's and men's goes to a collective pot, and every single player in that college gets paid that way. Then you will go to, let's say you'll go to Syracuse because there's more people watching collegiate sports, not necessarily watching your collegiate sport, but watching them in general. That might be a cool way to do it. Just rake, you know, um, you're collecting your tips altogether. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a good thing. And, and last thing I want to say real quick, um, is, um, Again, another thing that needs to be worked out because of this disparity between schools is, you know, a lot of these big colleges have their own networks and network deals and things like that. So, mm-hmm. you know, Notre Dame, all their home games are broadcast on NBC. University of Texas has their own channel. Um, so, uh, yeah, again, it's it's one of those things where the disparity needs to be ironed out. But, yeah, I mean, whatever. This is going to be, in 2023, this is going to be uh, not only – an overall college rule, but it's going to be have to be mandated state by state as of right now, yep. not an overall rule. So well, each state is going to have to mandate their own rules of how they disperse that that money. Wow, interesting. Well, let's let's be real. We all live in New York, so everybody will get a little bit. <laughs> that's true. I want some. That's true. So good, Bobby. That's a good take. That's a good take, good dude. topic, man. All right, I'm all right. going home. See ya. Right, see you later. <laughs> 
Costanza. Text in the mail. Lynette, what is your number two? I forgot. Oh, my God. Oh, no, I, I got it. I'm sorry. Okay. Sorry. That was such a great topic. I actually lost my thought process on it. I was like, I don't know what I'm Do talking about. To me? No, I got it. I got it. Chill. Come back Chill, to me. Um, wait, you already went, Bobby. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> I forgot. It was so long ago. So long ago. All right. So my thing is, is this. Um, I was driving in the car. This is this is a whole story. Driving in the car, coming home late from work one day, and um, our local AMC, which is our uh, public access, this is, all of mine are public access tonight. You'll notice a theme. Uh, support your your public access stations. Um, so driving home, listening to our local public access, and I just hear this voice come through the radio, and I'm like, oh, this is like a live show, and. I'm like listening and it's raw and it's got energy and emotion. And I'm like, who is this woman? And where, where, where is she? And I'm like, all right, she's performing at the Linda. I try to use, uh, I can't ever say it. Ben, help me out. What's the thing you like to say when you fart? Shazam. Thank you. I <laughs> use Claimed. that app. <laughs> I use that app. Try to Shazam? figure it out. Yeah. You actually say that? Yeah. Oh, yeah, you I should have said it a couple minutes ago. You nerd. <laughs> I did uh, fart. Oh my god! I felt the rumble. <laughs> Sorry. So, so I hear. I'm like, who is this person? The app can't tell me. I'm like, what is going on? Finally, finally, they announce it. It is. Um, her name is Girl Blue. If I can get to it, and she's phenomenal. I swear to God, she's got to be one of the best female voices I've heard recently. And she's only got like four EPs out on Apple Music, but they're well worth the listen. They're like um, seven seven songs a piece. And she just came out in 2019 with a live, with a live album. And they are raw, uncut, and they've got um, these awesome just feelings and emotions. And like she rocks out. I just, I can't get over her. Anyway, name is Girl Blue. That's my top pick. Feminist in the in the world. Feminist. Femininity. Where did you hear her? Was it on BBC Six? What was it? Oh no, it wasn't on BBC Six. It was on our local uh, W. It's called WAMC, nice. which is our local station. Um, and uh, they were just super cool. Like they were just like, "Yep, yeah, nope, this is what we're playing." Apparently, she was playing at our local venue called the Linda. And um, they just decided to play it over the air, and um, it's so her once her one album came out in 2016. It's called "I'm Not a Star," and then the newest one is called "Home Movies." That's the one that's the it's a live solo EP, and it's phenomenal. I can't get I can't get over it. And that one's six six songs. I love it, Lynette. You know, I did a music thing last week with Chris. It's so hard to find new music nowadays because there's so many sources. You know, you have Spotify, iTunes, Shazam, Shazam. Excuse me, (laughs) excuse you. Uh, Like all these kind of places to find music. So I'm just so like. But Lynette, we haven't talked about it in a while. I love Marianne Hobbs on BBC Six Radio because of this. Because she'll play things from like the early '90s I've never listened to, and I'll mm. just create like a Spotify playlist 
Um, she'll she'll all the DJs on there. It's like I love a. It's a real DJ, so they'll play some new stuff. They'll play um, something in their kind of uh, genre that they're hosting, but then also they will play something like, "Oh, that was from 1986." <laughs> it was like crazy. It was like an offshoot of one of the guys that was on the uh, Diamonds on the the soles of her shoes uh, song by Paul Simon. And you're just like, you're kind of entranced in this kind of world. I just love finding new music. That's awesome. Awesome pick. Thank you. Thank you. Good stuff. Good stuff. Ben, what's your number two? Oh, I got an awesome segue. I have an awesome segue and I'm going to go around. Okay. So <laughs> let me get a shout out to this. Okay. So this article is on the ringer.com. Great, great website. Um, it's where I get a lot of my podcasts and a lot of information about culture and entertainment that we have on this podcast, but this one story. So did you guys know that 20 years ago to the week, the chronic 2001 came out? Ooh. So it didn't come out in 2001. It came out in 1999, 20 years ago. Cause I was in the green room, uh, listening to, to it with i think bryce and lynette (laughs) when it came out that makes sense yeah it does make sense um so the whole article is great it's by a guy named jackson howard who goes into uh, interviews with hitman interviews with dr dre interviews with snoop and er everything but i'm gonna go around this this panel right now and i want to ask you your thoughts on the album chronic 2001 I want to hear your favorite songs, uh, where you were when you heard this album, what was going on in your life, uh, What's what, what are some favorite tracks you always go to, um, mine is Time Bomb, I love that song so much because Exhibit's on it, Hitman's on it, um, just love that song, uh, but for me, sonically, being a giant vinyl nerd, and a big music nerd, uh, there's something about an album that just sounds so good. And I remember when my roommate, Rob O'Connell, played that for the first time on CD, and it has the THX, uh, <laughs> yeah, <boy. laughs> it has the sound come out, and we would crank that through the dorm room. Uh, there's something about that, just get your subwoofer ready. That was the beginning of how big is your sub kind of bass in your car and everything. I don't know. Um, I'm going to start with you, Lynette. What do you think about Chronic Thieves in 2001? Um, where were you when you heard it? What was its What was its impact on you? And uh, does it still hold up? Go ahead. Uh, I probably was with you when I first heard it. <laughs> um, you know what's interesting is I'm I'm looking because you're you're going to kill me. It is not part of my album collection. Whoa. I know, right? Um it is it is something that I just realized that I was like, oh, oh wow, okay. Um so not even in MP3 form. No. Wow. Yeah. Shocking. I know, right? Um so so it hasn't held up. So it's not in your scope at all. It's no, that's not true because I feel like this see, and this is the problem, and I'm finding this. So this is what makes me, I'm not going to, no, I'm not going to say that. I was going to say, this is what makes me a black, black, black person, but that's not true. Um, <laughs> to make me a good one. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Um, ah, yeah. I love the chronic and I hate Ben. Oh. <laughs> but no, um, like, you know, what was really interesting about this article. When you guys read this article on the ringer is there's a lot of 
um, rap significance in the album, not necessarily about itself and about it sonically, but about how Dr. Dre actually did some revisionist history of his own history, like glossed over all his abuse allegations and all this stuff and actually painted himself this kind of auteur of, you know, being a producer and rap meister um, where, you know, before that he had some flops, he had the aftermath, you know, post death row records. Um, It's a really interesting album. And this article really digs into all those things. Hmm. Yeah. I feel like The Chronic, for me, is more of a pivotal album than 2001. Why is that? L- let me hear that. Uh, that's because that was the one where I was like, oh, this this dude is real. This this is this is going to happen. And like, he's going to take off like that. I remember listening to on an endless loop, like all through high school, like that one stayed with me more so than 2001. And I don't know why, though it's also I mean, been a long me time. Me too. Me too. I mean, is it our age? I mean, that one I have on vinyl. I don't have 2001 on vinyl yet, but maybe I'm, I'm with you on that one. Good stuff. I mean, the first time I heard anything from 2001 album, I'm, I'm ashamed to say it was my freshman year in college. Um, and it was at uh, Danny G's nightclub. Oh, <laughs> underage drinking. Wow, that sounds underage illegal. drinking. Um, Danny G's. Danny G. Oh, God. Danny G's. Wow. Uh, I, I heard the next episode and I was like, what is this? And, um, and it, like immediately, like the next day, I went to the Arnott Mall and, and bought the record at the, uh, was it FYE or, or Coconuts yeah. or whatever, whatever store One of them. that is One no longer them. operational. Uh, but yeah, no, immediately afterwards I got it because I was like, Ooh, this is, this is all, I, I looked at all the, the ladies dancing and I was like, Oh, this is like a, all the oh, ladies dancing. Well, this would be considered a jam, I guess, or a, a, a jam, a, a, a banger, if you will. Or... Yeah, I can hear the singleness in your, in your voice <laughs> Listen, right now. It was, it was freshman year. I was still finding myself. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I ordered this CD. From BMG, nice. I paid okay. one cent, and by paying, I mean I did not pay. They As you should not five have. Five CDs for free, and I, I said, F you, I am not paying. Good day, sir. Good day, <laughs> sir. So when it came, I, I remember how it opens. That that TMX, whatever it is, THX. THX, and then it starts, you hear the, the springs jump, bounce. Things just ain't the same for gangsters. <laughs> I remember that more than well. I remember that in a notorious B.I.G. album I got with it. Ooh. And um, all in on rap on the B.M.G. Yeah, and it, yeah, the B.I.G. off the B.M.G. <laughs> for show. What's what's the other album? The the D.R.E. <laughs> the D.R.E. with the B.M.G. The, the B.I.G. And <laughs> what's what's the, the one where I can't it says, handle you guys. I took I took a lager drink and I took a cider drink. Oh oh, the trouble. That was my other one. Oh, so so those are my three. I'm sorry, but Chumbawamba was my third pick. You know what? And no, that song though, that song still makes me happy to this day. By the way, have any of you ever done the Chumbawamba drinking challenge? With, with disappointment, I said that with hopefulness. And Lynette, you. 
you grabbed me on my jump from the skyscraper, and I thank you for that. You're you welcome. Me. That's that's what I try to do. See, Ben do fails right. at his job, but I I succeed. Ben <laughs> left hanging. He uh, he let me drop. Sorry, I'm dead. Well, well like I said, next time next time you guys are at the bar, you should try to do the Chumbawamba drinking challenge, where you do the lager drink. The side of drink. I'm just glad I could bring Chumbawamba to this podcast. <laughs> right. And then you, you have to sing the songs that remind you of the good times and then the songs that remind you of the good times. Time. You know so. what? I'm out of here. I'm going to go put uh, $7 worth of hoobah snake in that jukebox. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Ben, before you go, though, uh, this might redeem, might redeem me. I'm going to tell a little story. So, you know the Up and Smoke tour, right? Where it was Ice Cube, Dr. Dre, Eminem. Who else was on that tour? Kenny G. <laughs> sure we'll go with it Kenny G. I was working backstage and I they needed somebody to sit in the car that they rode out in to make sure that it didn't fall off the stage as they moved the stage forward guess who the person was that got to sit in the car in the same seat that Dr. Dre sat and I got to touch the leather that Snoop Dogg sat on I'm just saying it was what me did it, what did it smell like weed uh- I mean, really, yep, yeah, yep. it was it was all weed, but it was this yep. beautiful, shiny purple. Oh, so shiny give purple. us a backstory of how that came. How did you get to be the one in that leather seat? So I used to be a backstage technician and I would do load in and load outs for our local area arena shows and up in smoke called for people. And I was doing uh, lighting tech and they were just like, uh, we need somebody to sit in this car. And I was like, me. <laughs> I need somebody to sit on their ass. Yeah. And you said that is all me. <laughs> yep. And it was more because I was in the car and they were, Oh, and that was the second thing. They needed somebody that knew how to drive because you needed to be able to, if the car started rolling off, you needed to be you able to, to drive it. 10 feet. Correct. So you, you needed to be able to reverse it. This. <laughs> yeah, I know. Reverse it and pull it back. See, we're bringing it back to Missy Elliott. I need to wrap it and reverse it. So awesome. I think you are cooler than all of us combined. Why, well, thank you. No argument there. Because of that one fact. Nah, I'm cooler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I you're only cooler. Jameson and Ron Jeremy in the same week. What'd you say? I met Jenna Jameson and Ron Jeremy in the same day. Yeah, it depends day. on who thinks that's cool. I don't. Uh, let me follow that up that uh ben is wearing a, a the whitest of white wife beaters right now next to me it's called an a shirt and i did dance with white cleft jean's sister on stage in front of lynette too so i did witness that in person oh, i forgot about that shit <laughs> i've never even heard that yeah what was her name that. i don't know why sister of the person named white i remember that white was like y'all mad y'all's a freak and everyone in my family's a freak, so you get to dance with my sister. <laughs> you remember that, Lynette? That was awesome. Vaguely. I think I was really, really drunk. No, I think I was stoned. So Holy shit. Chris, uh, give me a celebrity story that you did, please. <laughs> I went on a double date with Natalie Portman. What? Oh, Holy yes. shit! Oh, oh my! Drop the mic! Wait, 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 wait! Was this like her larger friend, or you went with <laughs> with the Natalie Portman? No, I. I, I, I Portman with two E's. Yeah, it's just the uh, Natalie Portman. Or the Natalie Portman. Portman. Larger women are sexy women. I just need to put that out there. That's yeah, true. especially during the winter. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, 
se- uh, this was, I think it was seventh grade. Um, I was dating a girl. Her name was Jory Leboff. And Jory um, and Natalie were friends from elementary school because in our t- near my um, school at the time, there was this uh, all-girls Jewish academy called Ezra Academy. And that's where Natalie Portman went to elementary school. So they were really tight. And this is after Beautiful Girls, after The Professional, right before Star Wars. And um, one night, uh, Joria says, we're going to go bowling with my friend Natalie and her boyfriend. And so we went to the AMF lanes in Hamden, Connecticut. Uh, and it was Natalie Portman. And, and she was super cool. Um, what was even... So seventh grade. This is our, yeah. So I was You're like, like, what, 12? 13, 13, maybe. 12, 13, somewhere around there. Were you, and... you were a Jewish man. <laughs> yes, I was a 12 year old Jewish, Jewish man bowling. Jewish man. Uh, bowling. I can hear the awkwardness already. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> but we went out with uh, it was so it was me, Jory, um, uh, Natalie, and her 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 beau at the time, who was who I just remember she was very short. She was like my height, which is short, uh, and uh, he is very tall. Like he he was very tall. He was at least. Ben, he was probably about almost six feet, and he was like probably 13, 14 years old. Very you know? tall. <laughs> I just remember looking at him. Oh, his name's Strider. Oh, they come in pints. <laughs> Second breakfast. That's how I felt. Um, but yeah, so we went bowling. We had went out for pizza. You know, afterwards it was great. And then, uh, yeah, that was it. And Jory, Jory and I broke up later that spring. And then Natalie went off to film Star Wars Episode yep. One, and then there it is. So holy shit! Yeah, you motherfuckers. <laughs> and now, but wow. see, the, the the cool thing about me now is that people have stories of, about me, so they're like, "Oh my god, I had lunch with Chris Peterson now." So Natalie that, Portman is somewhere in an interview saying, "I went bowling with Chris Peterson the, when the I was thirteen. Jean Renault, he was awful, but Chris Peterson, <laughs> Chris Peterson. I remember he peed himself in the seventh frame, and his mother <laughs> had to pick him up. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Chris, I read about it. <laughs> don't lie, don't lie, Chris. Good stuff. Good. Oh, I hate you all. So awesome. Good stuff. All right. <laughs> for my for actually for my number two this actually is a pretty good segue oh, as well let's get back on track let's get back on track ben, for so my number two because ben ben did a brief reference there to Lord of the rings so by the time that this episode airs it's going to be probably like thanksgiving ish so like a couple days before thanksgiving um and that means black friday is also upon us and besides, you know, some people with their Black Friday traditions, they like to go out and just go crazy with shopping. I do the same thing every year, and I've been doing the same thing every year for the past 10 years. This is the 10th anniversary that I'm doing this, my Black Friday tradition of watching all three Lord of the Rings movies in a row, nonstop. The uncut. It's not a bad tradition. Not, not a bad tradition at all. It's a great day. It's like 10 and a half, uh, 10 plus hours of just Middle Earth, Hobbits, amazing violence i mean it's it's everything and um i'm i'm on the fence of whether or not i want to invite my son who's five uh, to that journey five. don't know yet we'll see you know the jury's still out of it there you go there you go so i just wanted to know do you folks have any 
Black Friday viewing traditions or have you heard any interesting ones and um, you know, did you feel like sharing on the, on the pod? Um, you know what? Uh, for me, uh, just going down another geeky lane, um, it is um, Record Store Day on Black Friday. So I find the nearest record store and I find the coolest deals. Rex Manning Day. Rex Manning Day. So I uh, actually, it's not Rex Manning Day. That happens in April, but uh, no. it's like they did it twice a year, and this is the second Rex Manning Day. Actually, um, you can call it that. So, um, but nice reference. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so um, smart. So on Black Friday, all record stores have and, and support your local record stores. They have single releases on that day that only are released on that day. Uh, one year I got a, uh, ride the blue train album by Johnny cash, which is a great album in limited edition blue. My God, that thing is worth a couple bucks. So I don't break that out much. So, uh, what, uh, Lynette, what do you do on black Friday? Uh, I usually, well, I used to actually, no, I still do. Cause now Amazon does black Friday deals. I am the pivotal. I shop for myself in movies. That is when I, I buy all the movies I need for the entire year. Um, and I get, I used to go out and search for all the best DVD and Blu-ray um, deals. Um, and I would go store to store. I was crazy about it. And the funny thing was, is people were like, oh, what'd you get for your family? I was like, no, 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 no. I got movies. I got the movies I needed. <laughs> um, but this year... I'm actually trying to figure that out because usually I start Thanksgiving night. I usually start watching a movie and it's usually meet me in St. Louis. That's oh, I f- love that movie. Who's in That's that? That's Judy wow. Garland. No, oh, black and white. Uh, no, it, well, no, it's colored. I have it in color. You can get it in 40, black and white. 41 or 40. Yeah. It's post, uh, 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 Wizard of Oz. Yeah. Right. And it's, it's this awesome thing about this family from summer until summer until spring and they're all crazily ready for the the um they're trying to get ready for this uh the world's fair that's going to happen in st louis and um the it's just great and one of the songs is have have yourself a little a merry little christmas judy garland sings it in it and i'm like that's it that's the first the first one to get me in the mood and then i usually watch wizard of oz after that so that's like my thing it's Judy nice. Garland Day. Nice. Judy Garland Day. Bobby, what do you watch on Black Friday? Um, what do you do? What's your tradition? Um, well, I don't know if I have a, a tradition. I know last year I went to Walmart after, <laughs> and I will no longer do that. That was <laughs> that was hell. I didn't even want anything. I went with a friend. <laughs> And he was like, oh, yeah, meet me out there at 5 o'clock. The sale started at 6. And we got in a random aisle. And he's got, like, a PlayStation and a microwave in his cart. And I got people <laughs> ramming into me with a shopping cart full of, like, toothbrushes and cases of beer because it's on sale. Now, wait, wait. Can I get some perspective on this? I mean, this is Oneida Walmart. So it's like um, going to meet Valhalla, Shiny, and Chrome. This is Mad Max. This is the end of the world. <laughs> Witness! Witness me! <laughs> yeah, the, the Oneida Walmart is the same on Black Friday. It is on the first of the month. You will get stabbed in your face 
if you step in front of somebody that has a, a 32 inch TV. Witness me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I have a a uh, uh, anything that I I normally do a tradition. Uh, I try to stay away from traditions. I think I might not be alone on that with staying away from traditions in general. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe your tradition I mean, what, is to do something different each year, and that's yeah, the tradition. Uh, well, people shop, people watch movies. My ex-girlfriend, their whole family watched Lord of the Rings. There you um, go. I guess my tradition for Black Friday is not to get killed. <laughs> it's a good one. <laughs> and I've been going strong on that. So I hope that continues. <laughs> As we all do. That is the tradition of traditions. <laughs> Good stuff, I mean, Bobby. When you Good go to stuff. your Connecticut Walmarts where, you know, the floor is, is hard, hardwood floors and there's a waiting room and there's 32 lanes open with the whitest of white cashiers, then yeah. It's like the it's like the bus uh, where Eddie Murphy is dressed in white face. They start handing out <laughs> Love it. Yeah, we'll Love have martini in the waiting room at Walmart. No, that doesn't happen. No, you know, Walmart, the RO night at Walmart is where the videos come from, where, you know, the, the YouTube videos, people of Walmart come from. Those are all at the Oneida Walmart. I don't, so I don't know. I, th- I think the Troy Walmart could take you on some of those. Yeah, I've been there too. I will battle you to the death on who wins. <laughs> on, a nor- on, a, on a random Thursday, I will find somebody in a chicken costume shopping for 32 cent toothpaste at our Walmart. So top that. I don't know. I mean, Wallingford, Wallingford, Connecticut, Super Walmart might have a some run of the money uh, for the the characters there as well. Yeah, so. yeah, people die at our Walmart. So. I'm the super <laughs> kid. Chris, I think the last time I watched started. Lord of the Rings, I was I was high on Vicodin, and I just sat there. The best way to view it. It's the only way to watch it. <laughs> awesome. Good stuff, folks. Good stuff. All right, let's go YouTubing. Let's do it. YouTubing, babies. Bobby, kick YouTube. us off. What do you got for YouTube in this week? Oh, oh, so when I said at the beginning that I'm going to Missy Elliott, all this shit, uh, it includes this. So I did not go YouTubing. I went Netflixing and chilling. So there's two things. I went Netflixing and, well, I guess both are on Netflix. Wait a minute. Who were you Netflixing and chilling with? Myself. Uh... <laughs> oh, that's so sad. Me and Rosie Palm. <laughs> Thanks for asking, Lynette. I'm sad now. <laughs> well, I was like, wait a minute. Oh, what are you doing tomorrow? <laughs> what are you doing in an hour and a half from now? <laughs> Lynette, let me ask you a question. Yeah. You sleep with people that you meet on the first night? Yes. <laughs> Oh, oh shit! I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Well, Do you, oh, you that, don't that know where up I the rest of my line. <laughs> <laughs> but Netflix and chilling. So YouTube is great, but I found two things on Netflix that are um, fantastic. So somebody recommended me a show on there, and I I don't want to mess up your your YouTube YouTubing, but Netflix. And... It's on YouTube too, so this counts. Well, there's two. Yeah, I'll get to that second oh, one. Right, right. Ben and I are hooked on one. So the first one, though, uh, is a French eight-part series horror suspense called Marianne. 
So this woman is an author who writes a movie or writes a book about um, a, a woman who has to deal with who, who marries a demon. And this woman in her own town reads it and takes it to heart and she thinks it's real. So she has to go back to the hometown and deal with all this. So it's eight, eight episodes and I'm in one. And my buddy who uh, recommended it is in four. And he says it is scary as hell. And I've gotten through one. I, I watched the first one last night in the dark alone. Um, and he is right. It is, it's, it's pretty freaky. So if you're looking for a good, scary, suspenseful Netflix show, it's called Mary Ann. And so the other quick. one that Ben and I have started, and I watched a couple more of, that I cannot recommend more, is called Billy on the Streets. Oh, I love Billy on the Streets. Oh, you have. Chris? Uh, I actually, I, I know Billy Eichner, and he's a great guy. <laughs> so, yes. Well, way to just uh, fuck uh, me in the face on this. Yeah, was he dating uh, Natalie Portman when you got out of this? <laughs> no, did you go bowling with him? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm <laughs> Well, I don't want to uh, shit on my, your parade. Because my head of Connecticut, uh, you know, AMF bowling story is like i got pulled over because they thought it was a bank robber in my 91 lumina your story includes the chick from the professional billy on the streets so why don't you go ahead chris wow tell us all about this double date i like your cheerios i hope you don't mind if i piss in them (laughs) uh yes no i've just i've just met billy's a theater guy um he's also a stand-up comedian so i just threw various you know, interactive circles. I've I've met him a couple times, but um, yeah, nice, very nice Man, guy. Fantastic. Very, I don't have anything else to add. He, to he's more. I'll put it this way: if you if you watch his guest spot on Parks and Rec, that is more yeah. his well, how he actually that, is than Billy. The of Chris Pratt today, oh, and so I watched Parks Parks and Rec uh, maybe three seasons, but I didn't get to the part where Billy Eichner was on. Um, but I did watch last year's season of American Horror Story that he was on. So I became a fan of him. Then when he came on Netflix, I started watching him. And holy shit, is he funny on this show. <laughs> he awesome. is so quick-witted. I watched the Chris Pratt episode today, and that's my new favorite one. He, I, Well, I watched a few today, but Chris Pratt, that's, that's my favorite one so far. So if you haven't watched Billy on the Streets on do, do Netflix it. or YouTube... I highly, highly recommend watching these 23-minute episodes that you can get through, and they're censored, so you can watch them with whoever. So, I mean, okay. unless you know the goddamn guy, and then you can just text him. <laughs> Bobby, every time you say... What's that? Every time you say horror, I keep thinking you're saying whore. Like, oh. So, like, well, I thought if, you were talking about I, a horror. If somebody movie. brought up a topic, and they go, yeah, I know the guy... Yeah, Chris, you're a whore for saying that you know all these people that I'm talking about. It's like uh, the end of the now, the horror. The horror. The horror. Chris is a horror. The horror of Chris. <laughs> oh, I love horror. it. <laughs> Good stuff. Awesome. Yeah. Lynette, what is your YouTube in this week? Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, so oh, yeah. Uh, everybody, again, I told you there's a theme for me. It's NPR or public radio, or public whatever. Um, So, uh, mine is Tiny Desk Series, Leslie Odom, just released yesterday. 
he did a tiny desk to promote his new album that just dropped, I think, yesterday or today. Um, and it's pretty dang good. I'm just saying. But the tiny desk is pretty awesome, too. Um, so, tiny desk. Um, the only thing I don't like is he keeps his eyes shut the whole time. But that's weird to me. Um Leslie Odom Jr. is a Broadway dude. I'm sorry. I love the Broadways. Um, and he was in Hamilton. He played the original Alexander. And no, which Burr? Aaron Burr. Aaron Burr. Thank you. I was like, I forgot what A name. Uh, Amber? Bill Burr. <laughs> His descendant, Bill Burr. <laughs> Anywho... Um, so he's got this beautiful voice, a great falsetto. Um, and yeah, he did a tiny desk to promote his new album and it's out on, um, Apple music and you can buy it and download it. Um, but the tiny desk is on YouTube. I say, check it out. I actually just posted it to my Facebook today. Um, it's great stuff. (laughs) What? No, we're just, he's my personal friend. I got it. I got it. I got it. I'm not going to lie. I did not understand a thing you just said. <laughs> I don't know what Tiny Desk is. No, I don't. Tiny Desk, concert. I love the Jism one. It's freaking awesome. And the Wu Tang one is great. I. It's literally I a tiny, down. tiny desk that people go behind and they sing or perform it behind. The Lizzo one is awesome because she keeps referencing how tiny the little desk is, and she's the bigger did woman. Did you see the? Uh, did you see the Atlanta episode where they make fun of Tiny Desk? What? No, I'm gonna have to go back and watch that then. Yeah, it's a uh, second season, and they go into NPR, and it's just <laughs> these <laughs> white people staring at Paperboy the whole time. It's great. <laughs> okay. Oh yes. Yeah, that, that. They're making fun yes. of Tiny Desk. That's yes. totally them. Yeah, I didn't want to say anything, but I'm also I'm I am buds with Leslie Odom Jr. as well. <laughs> so. Damn it. What was, I mean, what's her name? Lizzie. <clears throat> we're Facebook his, friends. His name. It's a boy. It's a man. It's a man. Oh. I'm way behind. Okay, <laughs> sorry. Don't mind me. Good stuff, though. Good stuff. All right, Ben, what's your uh, your uh, YouTube in this week? You know, I'll bring the pain in the YouTube department. Here we go. Um, we're gonna go. We're gonna go crazy this week. We're gonna go all over this week. I would like to. Um, there's a great channel on YouTube. It's called the Candlepin Bowling Channel, and Candlepin Bowling is a favorite of. <laughs> Deacon and I, and we love it so much I'm because snoring already <laughs> because we love candlepin bowling. I need to do a shout out to that. Also, um, Letter Kenny, uh, Jared Kesso of Letter Kenny, he describes um, slang from Letter Kenny and where it derived from, like uh, things like ten ply, because two ply is soft, and so ten ply is ultra soft, bud. Um, you need to watch that video, and it's on an interview with someone from Canada, so they say it's the most Canadian interview of all time. Um, but also, I want to drop that I subscribe to PokerStars.net, their channel, because they have live poker events going off like almost every day. They're actually in the European Poker Tour. Um, I think it was Poker After Dark. Was Bobby turned me on to that on YouTube, but they stopped uh, posting them on YouTube. So I did the Poker Stars, and then finally... Man, I was on YouTube this week. I want to um, uh, talk about a channel. It's called Most Unruly. The Most Unruly. And um, they're talking about Quentin Tarantino. And I'm going to say, my God, I'm going to put this out there. One of my most unfavorite 
Quentin Tarantino movie series is Kill Bill 1 and 2, which is wild to say. I mean, I still appreciate them. They're kind of a little too on the nose, but um, he did a a YouTube video called How Quentin Tarantino Made Kill Bill 1 and talks about all the references, how he um, derived a lot of the um, action scenes from uh, Bruce Lee and uh, Sergio Leone and all those little references in them. Maybe I'm too much of a kind of giant nerd and it was too much on the nose, but great little video this guy put together. It's 14 minutes and 47 seconds and 47 seconds. Check it out. It's the most unruly. Awesome. That's my YouTube. And Chris, what do you got? Um, real quick. Um, it's a really, it's a stupid video, but it made me laugh. Um, <clears throat> it's from Mr. Beast. Um, and it's, it's just simply titled going around a Ferris wheel a thousand times straight. And it I is, did see that, that video. I saw this. It's, it's, it is trending right now. Um, it's like six guys and they rented out a, a Ferris wheel and it's like, it looks like it's bright and early in the morning and they commit to sitting on this Ferris wheel no! and no! going around a thousand times straight. And you can see like, there's a counter, you know, on the side of the screen. And what's hilarious about it is like. Up until like, I guess you could say 50, like they're having a good time. Like, oh, this is awesome. We're going to do this. From 50 to 1,000, the mood changes. And you can see that like, wow, this was a bad idea. <laughs> like, by, like, by like 600, they're doing like the, the, um, the Joe Bluth, I, I've made a terrible mistake face. <laughs> and so like it's, it's a great feed. It's about 12 minutes long. It looks like they do it all day i think it, it looks like they literally it it starts in the morning and it ends at night so i think it was like almost 12 hours that they were probably on this thing to ride this thing a thousand times straight but um it's it's a it's a long video but it's definitely worth it so have yeah. any of you guys done anything for a thousand times straight no i'll answer my own question <laughs> i had sex for a thousand times no i didn't but I know a guy who knows a guy. No, you didn't. No, 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 I didn't. no. Veron, no. Veron, I dare you. Sting, maybe. Oh, Sting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, what is it uh, to be an expert in something? You have to commit ten thousand, uh, ten thousand hours or something to make you good. Yeah. yeah. Have you ever done anything like that? I am just nine thousand hours short of being good at sex, then. And you go. <laughs> ouch ouch good stuff oh my gosh all right well that's gonna wrap this episode up oh. uh, <laughs> let's keep going what is it 15 hours i think i missed like two days of work <laughs> that's on bender real quick uh do i mean let's let's just start bobby if you wanted to be found on social media where where can people find you uh there are many videos of me with Chris Hansen on To Catch a Predator. To Catch a Predator. Tuesday nights. You can find me on YouTube. I have taken many seats. I have I have social media, but you know, I don't do anything special on there. That's a good one. Yeah. I'm 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 desperately seeking entertainment. Lynette, how about yeah, you? Find me people- on there. There you go. Lynette, how about you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram under FuzzWiki. Um, and I am on the Book of Face. And yeah, that's about it for me right now. That's how you do it. That's I just you added you, you on Facebook, Lynette. 
I know, and I've already cyber stalked you ten times oh, over. Oh my god. Are we dating now? I think so. <laughs> All right. This is a thing. I will report you tonight. Okay. I love it. I love it. Ben, how about you, my man? Uh well, I was at a conference for um my mental health clinics in Saratoga, where we presented, uh, we did a great job. So just raising mental health awareness and raising um, awareness for substance abuse treatment and always just being a giant proponent of all those things. Uh, please go out and uh, generate buzz about your local clinics and everything and trying to get away from stereotypes and stigma in your communities I love it so much. We're going to have another open mic in my community. Uh, get out there and promote wellness. Chris, what do you got going on? Uh, nothing, really, honestly. <laughs> it's, it's We're like, just doing podcasts. What a loser. We're just doing podcasts. That's all I'm doing. Dude, um, Natalie Portman just texted me. She's oh like, what's Chris God. up to? God, yeah. she, heard, she heard herself mentioned on this podcast, and I, I got to get to this. your giant again. pins, Chris. Sorry. Jeez. Um, <clears throat> no, I mean, folks, you can listen to this podcast and all of our podcasts on the Onstage Blog Podcast Network, which is heard on every uh, podcasting you know, network uh, streaming device. I can't even think of what, I, what to call them. Yeah, but you're thinking of Natalie Portman. How I is that not all of Natalie your Portman social medias? Hi, my name, is, my name is Chris Peterson. I went on a double date. Double date with Princess Amadala. Yeah, Queen Amadala. Yeah, Padme. Padme. Oh, yeah, <laughs> not her double. Well, she was probably princess at the time. Yeah, you were dating a princess. <laughs> yeah, she was Queen Amadala. What a loser! What a loser. She wasn't queen yet. So, <laughs> is it Matilda or Queen Amadala? Oh my God, you guys have to watch Billy on the streets. Well, Chris already met him, so he doesn't have. To. I mean, I right. Know. I know. Well, I don't count Chris as a human yeah. being for laying that on us. <laughs> He's like Dr. Manhattan. Yeah, I'm on Mars. I've met these people you talk about. Just take my blue dildo and talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's a, that's a perfect note to end on right there, folks. Uh, so we will see you right here next week on desperately seeking entertainment we'll see you later yeah we're folks. doing this tomorrow so catch us tomorrow <laughs>